Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I am so happy that you are joining me today in the Word of God, in the Holy Spirit, as God has great things planned for your life, and we're going to talk about them today and how to utilize the power of God to step into every blessing that belongs to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's take our Bibles today and meet in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, a very familiar passage uh, concerning the teaching of the tithe, and we're going to take a moment to receive our tithes and offerings before jumping into a different subject, which will be our primary Bible study today. Hallelujah. Such a blessing to have you here. Again, I just want to share the thanksgiving uh, unto the Lord that's in my heart uh, for you and the blessing that you are to this ministry, and the blessing, of course, that you are also to the heart of God. Now, we're going to receive holy tithes and offerings, but before we do that, because your finances are a very important dimension of your life, don't act like they're not, because we both know that they are, aren't they? They're very, very important. If, we, if we're broke and poor, we can't take care of our children, we can't buy them proper clothes, we can't send them to uh, places they need to go for training and things like that. We have to be blessed. We can't help others. We can't distribute out if we ourselves are impoverished. So we must follow the teachings of the Word of God to engage in the covenant of financial prosperity that is available to us through Christ's shed blood. Now, we want to talk about the principles of this and how it works and how we come into it. So Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. First of all, we are commanded to bring. The fact that it says to bring it tells us that is, that is within our possession. After all, you can't bring something that you don't have, right? I mean, you can go get somebody else's, but if it's somebody else's, it's not yours. You can only bring what you have. But we all can bring the tithe on what we have. So it says bring, and we're going to bring the tithes into the storehouse today. Bring all the tithes. Aha. Now, of course, the tithe would be 10% of that which uh, comes into your hands. And don't forget, when it says bring all the tithes, this is not just your earned income. This is not just taking the tithe from your earned income or 10% from your paycheck that maybe you get every two weeks or perhaps every month. But it says bring all the tithes. Ah, so if you get that special inheritance, perhaps uh, your parents have gotten on in life or perhaps they have passed on and there was a will and now you find yourself receiving an inheritance. Maybe it's $30,000. Maybe it's $300,000. Maybe mom and dad were doing pretty good. Maybe it's $3 million. Well, there's a tithe that needs to be brought into the house of the Lord off of that blessing. Even though you didn't go out and work to earn that, nevertheless, when uh, prosperity, when blessing comes into your hand, then we are commanded to bring all the tithes, not just earned income. However you find yourself getting blessed, if you walk outside and find a $10 bill, and somebody has lost it, and it's literally impossible to return it to its owner because perhaps they moved uh, on or they were driving down the road and it flew out the car window and got blown into your yard. So you can't 
make restitution in the sense of returning it. Uh, and so you, you, it's such a small amount that you just keep it. But even out of that $10, if you find that lost money, one dollar uh, out of that 10 belongs to the Lord. We need to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And of course, if it's a larger amount of money that you find that's lost money, uh, there's a certain area where you reach a, a, uh, an area where uh, things need to be reported. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, fa- I found $150,000. Well, somebody's probably looking for that $150,000, and we don't need to keep it and hide it under our mattress and live with a, a guilty conscience. We need to go down to the police department and uh, make the police aware of it and turn it over to them. And, of course, if there is no owner and there's nobody that claims it, then uh, from my understanding of the law, uh, after a certain period of time, if it goes unclaimed, it can go over to you who found that which was lost. But we never want to try to cheat somebody or do somebody, something wrong. If we lost money, we would certainly want somebody to find it and bring it back to us. And uh, we need to always do the right thing, knowing that the Lord sees these fine details. Praise the Lord. Uh, integrity is uh, one of the highest qualities that a person can have. But no matter how financial blessing or provision comes into your life, Pastor Stephen, I just received 10,000 shares. Somebody gave me 10,000 shares of stock. Well, praise the Lord. A thousand of those shares need to be brought into the storehouse of God. See, you tithe on all that God brings into your possession. Bring, so bring it in to the storehouse. Bring all, not not just earned income only, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house so that the work of God, the kingdom work, uh, can go forth and people can be saved and the gospel can be preached around the world and, of course, so much more. You know, the kingdom of God, the work of the church, is a global work. This is not some little mom-pop operation, you know, that's running on the little uh, the back road of town just touching a few people. The gospel operation is multi-billions and billions of dollars reaching billions of people, and what God does is always a great thing. So it is a great work, and so the tithes need to be brought into the storehouse that there may be food in the Lord's house, that the priest, of course, back under the Old Covenant can function, the Levites, the priests, they can do what they're supposed to do. And, of course, in Christ, we are priests unto the Lord. And so, thank goodness that we can move from the Old Testament system of operating into the New Covenant system where we don't have to uh, sacrifice animals and things like that. Uh, shedding the blood, has all that's been taken care of once and for all through the Lord Jesus shedding his blood. And, of course, he is now our high priest. But, my friends, the tithe, which carried through the Old Covenant, which was... Uh, enacted by Abraham as an act of grace, as an act of love, and very importantly also as an act of faith, uh, was going on before uh, tithing was ever instituted into the law. And so then it became something that you were required to do. And uh, then it comes all the way up. Malachi chapter 3, we're just in the last book going up to the end of what we call the Old Covenant before moving into the New Covenant, which is the next book uh, of Matthew with, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ coming on the scene. But tithing carries all through the Old Covenant, comes all the way up to the cross. And does it carry into the New Covenant? Absolutely. Some things stopped at the cross. Animal sacrifices stopped at the cross. Uh, the priesthood stopped at the cross. Many things were fulfilled. They don't need to be carried through. But tithing carries through 
because it started by grace, it started by faith, and continues uh, to carry into the New Testament. Even when Jesus came on the scene and he talked about the Pharisees, uh, they're tithing off a little bitty herbs and spices and mint and dill and cumin and these little bitty seasoning things that you would put on your food. They're even tithing on that. And uh, and uh, he said he said that that was the right thing to do. He did not rebuke that. He said he said that he did correct them on the point that they were missing the weightier matters of the law, such as love and mercy and justice and things like that. So yet yes, of course we do need the tithe, but we need to walk with hearts of mercy and love. But my friends, don't ever drift from the principles, such as the principle that engages the financial covenant, which is. Tithing. How can a man say they trust God when uh, they are unworthy? Well, let me say this: not unworthy, but unqualified because of uh, financial uh, disintegrity. Praise the Lord. So we want to have a covenant with God. We want to honor the Lord with our finances. And you know, a lot of times people say, you know, we're we're the seed of Abraham. Well, we are because we are in Christ. But my friends, Abraham was a tither. So if we're the seed of Abraham, which we are, we should be doing the same works of faith that Abraham was walking in. And Abraham was a tither. He was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. And we also can come into that financial blessing because we're in Christ. We are Abraham's seed. And so we also should carry out those type of qualities uh, that we see it acted in Abraham's life. And of course, one of those, which is clearly identified in scripture, is that of a tither. And he was also a very generous giver. Praise God. Let's go a little bit further today. Uh, the Lord says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So look, there are windows of heaven. There are uh, 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 windows that God pours out and pours through. And in, from a natural perspective, back under the old covenant, you know, uh, uh, with Israel having an agricultural society, if they didn't get the rains, the former and the latter rains, then they're looking at major crop problems. But God would make sure that the rain was poured out, and they had plenty of sunshine, and that the soil was uh, rich and uh, and very uh, plentiful for the crops to, to grow with the nourishments and things like uh, that, that needed to be in the soil. But my friends, uh, if the windows are locked, the first area I would look, I'm talking about financial windows, okay? I'm not talking about sunshine coming down. We can get that as long as it's not cloudy. We're not talking about solar panels and things like that. We're talking about the blessings of God coming down. And my friends, we want the windows unlocked and we want them wide open. And tithing is what activates that. You know, I, I want to say something that prayer and fasting will not open the financial windows of heaven. And I've seen people do that. Pastor Stephen, I'm praying and fasting that God bless me financially. Well, are you tithing? Oh, no, I don't believe in that. Well, you can pray and fast till your teeth fall out, till you're so skinny that you can hide behind the telephone pole and people can't see you, but that will not open up those windows of blessing. What opens them up is operating in the principles that are found in God's Word. And if we begin to deviate from that and drift off from that, then we have no covenant. My friends, we must engage the covenant through obeying the principles that are clearly found in God's Word, uh, such as tithing. You know, if you're not a tither, um, even the seed that you sow, 
You might give a little here and there, but if you're not a tither, your very seed that you sow can be devoured and eaten up by the enemy. Uh, verse 11 says, I, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So if you're not tithing, even though you might give a little here or give a little there, that seed is going to get eaten up by the enemy. That's why you need to tithe. And tithe means bring 10% in into the storehouse. Tithe, and God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And you won't have all of these crazy weird bills that, that pop up. $400 unexpected bill here. $4,000 unexpected bill here. This broke. That broke. That's falling apart. This is not working right. Money going out this way, that way, all kinds of different directions. Like you got holes in your pockets. That's because a person is being devoured by the enemy, and he has per permission and legal access to come in through gaps that are left open to the person who is not tithing and honoring the Lord financially. Look, things in your life will only get tighter until you start becoming a tither. I want to say that again. Things in your life financially will only get tighter until you start becoming a tither. Tithing is what alleviates all of the tension. Tithing alleviates tension, financial tension. I, I tell you what, financial tension is one of the worst kinds of ten, uh, tension. In other words, how are we going to pay this bill when we don't have the money for it? Because the bill will not go away. We can't do magic acts and make it disappear. Even if we tear the bill up and act all macho and throw it in the trash, uh, the bill is still not going away because uh, there's a computer copy and they're still going to be calling and they're still going to try to collect and do everything on that bill. There are certain bills, if you ignore them, uh, they get worse. They, they amplify. They multiply. Interest rates are tacked on. Late payments are tacked on. And then the wolves start showing up, making the phone calls, maybe even knocking on the door, maybe even calling you at work and things like that. That's a place you never want to go. Tithing removes financial tension far out of your life. I feel compassion on Christians whose pastors are too afraid of the opinions of men and are snared by the fear of man to teach their sheep to tithe. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I know you teach tithing, and I, and I know your people are blessed, and I can see that God's blessing you, but I don't really want to teach tithing because there might be some in my church who might not understand that. Maybe they just think we're trying to get their money so that we can go out and take some kind of chartered yacht expedition trip and just vanish off on the other side of the world and live like a bunch of kings. No, no, no. My friends, tithing is bringing the people of God into a place of covenant blessing so that the windows of heaven can be opened over their lives. Look, the Apostle Peter said that Paul taught some things that unlearned men twist and uh, misinterpret and then reteach it to confuse others in a wrong way. And, and so what I'm saying is this, if Paul the Apostle can be misunderstood, and even Jesus could be misunderstood, you will have some that are just going to misunderstand everything, even if Paul or Jesus stood up and taught it. But they 
they declared the truth of the scriptures, and Jesus taught on tithing. Even Paul taught on tithing in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, uh, giving evidence that the tithe is still valid today, uh, even though Christ has been resurrected and ascended and is now seated in heaven. Actually, Paul said in Hebrews 7 that Jesus, our high priest, is still receiving the tithe today. Woo! Glory to God. My friends, we need to come into the covenant blessings that are ours financially through Christ by being a tither. Now, sometimes Christians say, Pastor Stephen, I don't have enough money to tithe. I can't tithe. If I take out that 10%, I'm going to come up short. And so what you're doing is barely keeping your nose above water. And that's, that's awful just to be in survival mode. You know, if you're in survival mode, maybe we could do a reality show at your house. You know, they have Survivor and these types of shows where you just get dropped off on an island and you're not trying to thrive. You're not trying to prosper. You're just trying to stay alive. You're trying to survive. And so when a person says, I, I can't pay the tithe, I can't bring it in because I'm going to come up short. I, I'm barely making ends meet. You know what? That is a snare of the devil. That is a trap by the devil to keep you in the place for the rest of your life where you never live the way that God wants you to live and the place where in your heart you would really like to go. And that is a place of abundance. That is a place where you have overflow. Hallelujah. If you want to come into that, then you come in through the gateway of tithing. Now, uh, on top of tithing, as the Holy Spirit leads, you can sow financial seed. You're not limited to just giving uh, 10%. Uh, you can give more, and people throughout church history have certainly endeavored to do that. There have been those that have reached that lofty goal, not that they're required to or that God demands it, but there have been those who just out of their, their great love of God have, have said, Lord, I want to tithe 90%. In other words, I want to give away 90%, bring it into the storehouse, and just live off 10%. And they have so much. God pours out so much and so much that even that the 10% that they're living on is super abundance. Woo! Glory to God. My friends, that's just a few scriptures and a short teaching to endeavor to persuade you to come into the place of blessing, the place of a secure covenant that belongs to the tither. The benefits are... Uh, it's like a, an exhaustive list that just goes on and on and on of the benefits of those who walk in a place of tithing. I'm telling you, God will shield you. God will take care of you. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing flowing right now. Praise God. Those of you that are ready to bring uh, all the tithes, come on, all the tithe into the storehouse and offerings as the Holy Spirit leads you, you can do so now at this time. If you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, that's P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28117. Now, if you would like to bring it in, even right now, online, you can do so, regardless of what time it is, day or night. Uh, you can go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a very secure uh, credit card transaction area, or you can bring the tithes in there, uh, stephenbrooks.org. Just uh, click on that. It's called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, 
And you can go and do that now at this time. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that any lie of the enemy to hold your people back, maybe something that has even been spoken by a preacher or a minister, but they didn't have the revelation knowledge uh, of the fullness of your word. Uh, but Father, any misteaching, any wrong teaching, any lies, Father, I pray you just set your people free through the truth of your word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you what, God is going to bless you. I know some of you have certain degrees and certain qualifications and great skills. Uh, uh, some of you might think, Pastor Stephen, I don't have any of that. How could it, God ever bless me? God, God's ability to bless you and pour out through the windows of heaven is not limited by your insufficiency or your lack of this or your lack of that. God can reach you and get his blessing over to you anywhere you're at. Hallelujah. You just be faithful. You do your part. And God knows how to open the window of heaven right over you and bring that blessing right down into your life. Shout today and say, God's doing it now. Hallelujah. The enemy is being rebuked. The devourer is being stopped. I'm telling you, the moment you start tithing, God tells the devil, Mr. Devil, back off. Back off. You don't have the right anymore to come in here and attack and harass them like that. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, there still can be tests. I'm not saying that the enemy won't still try to harass you or bug you at times. You're still going to have to use your faith. But I'm telling you what, there is a shield. You'll never go down. You'll never be taken out when you're walking with the Lord in this covenant. You're going to increase greatly. Praise God. Oh, I feel happy in my spirit today. Now, let's go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we're going to move into the subject today that the Holy Spirit has put upon my heart to talk about. We want to talk about sword practice. Oh, yes. We're talking about those sharp things that you swing around. We're not talking about, uh, you know, forks and spoons, my friends. We're going to talk about some sword practice today. I would like for you to meet me in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now with illumination and revelation of the Scriptures that we can see it. Take it and apply it to our lives starting today in the name of Jesus. We all agree and say, Amen. Now, John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And this is amazing. And the Word was God. Now, your New Testament was originally written in Greek. I know that you're reading along with me in English. If you're watching from another country, you're, you're using your modern uh, language translation, whatever that might be. But the original New Testament was written in Greek. Technically, technically it was written in Koine Greek, which was which is, uh, the common everyday language that the normal people spoke every day. Okay. Now, Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and it's a, such a blessing, of course, to have that in our English language language. But as we're in the New Testament, we are pulling from the original Greek language. And what we're looking at here today is in the Greek, there are two expressions to describe what we all in our English language would use for word. Okay, But in the Greek, there's two primary ways of expressing it. 
in the English, we just say word. But in the Greek, when we see word in the Greek, it could mean either this or that. And we need to look at it because it's very, very important. In the beginning was the word, okay? And notice that, the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. If you look up word in a uh, Greek New Testament or Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of New Testament words, you will see that word here is translated as logos, L-O-G-O-S. S. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The Logos, or the Word, reveals God and portrays His eternal principles and decrees. You know, there are some things you do not need to pray about. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm just praying whether or not I should steal that money over there. Well, well, we don't need to pray about that. Well, why not, Pastor Stephen? Because in the Bible it says, Thou shalt not steal. How about that for a little KJV, King James English this morning? Thou shalt. <laughs> See, the Bible says, You shall not steal. Well, we don't need to pray about that. We don't have need to have a committee meeting. We just know it. Why? Because it's laid out in the Word. What is that? That's the Logos Word which is all of the written word of God, which contains all the principles and all the decrees of God, and we live by them. We govern our lives by the Logos word of God. Say yes. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Logos is the written word of God. From Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, okay, and then all the way through, all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, all the way to the very last book, which is the book of the Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, 66 books, all written by Jewish men, compiled together in one book that we know as the Bible, the whole thing is the Logos written word of God. Now, here's what's amazing. The Logos, okay, the word, you see this? The Logos was made flesh. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's deep. I, I know. And look, we're going to be sitting around, even when we get to heaven, having deep theological questions about some of these mysteries of righteousness that the more you think about it, the more you realize, you know, I, I just, I'm never going to be able to wrap my mind around this marvelous mystery. But look, you're encouraged to try, okay? So the Logos, which is the Word, was made flesh. Look at verse 14. And the Word, now that the Word in the Greek is translated Logos, which is the written Word, okay? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Ah, so the Word is a person. Oh, hallelujah. We're not just talking about some, some holy book, okay? No, we're talking about a holy person uh, from which uh, the person spoke the Word. And the Word has been recorded, and it is known as the Bible. But my friends, the Word became flesh. And eternity passed. Millions and millions of eons and years ago, uh, before Jesus ever came into the earth 
and was given the name Jesus or Yeshua, okay, before that ever took place, before he was ever made flesh and walked upon the earth, was born uh, through the Virgin Mary and came into the earth, before that ever happened, millions and millions of years before that, he was still in heaven. He still existed. What was he known as? Known as? He was known as the Son of God, and he was called the Word. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, there's the Word, the Son of God. And we know him as Jesus. But for eternity past, Billions and trillions of years, he has always been known as the Word. Woo, isn't that rich? Hallelujah. So, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, the Word that became flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's pretty heavy duty, isn't it? It's actually a very, very sacred thing. So, remember, the Bible is the Word of God. Every single bit of it from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between. All of it is the word that literally came out of the mouth of God. When prophets wrote, such as Isaiah or Jeremiah, when David wrote Psalms, these men uh, wrote and spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's literally God speaking through men. It's been recorded, and it has been written down. This is the Logos word. It's amazing. Now, we have a little bit of an understanding. I'm not going to go deeper for the sake of time. We have a little bit of an understanding now about one of the two ways that word is used in the Greek language. So when you're reading like through the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, uh, the word logos is used at least over 12 times. And that, that's a lot. Uh, more than any other gospel writer by far. So look at this. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Jesus was God. These people that say that Jesus isn't God, they, they must not, they either they're illiterate or they're just absolutely refusing to believe what the Bible says. Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, Jehovah God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And remember, the only way to the Father is through Jesus. You cannot get there any other way. Eternal life is found only in Jesus. I know there's a lot of world religions out there, and I'm not putting down any religions, but I'm saying this, the only way to receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins and to gain heaven and to miss hell is to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the Son of God, and He is God. And the Word was God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So this is Logos, the, the entire Word of God. The Logos of God, and it's wonderful, and you need to be familiar with the Logos of God. You need to know it. You know, you don't have to read the Bible through 400 times, you know, but you need to at least read it through one time fully, from cover to cover, and if you do that, 
you have now sown the Logos word into your heart. And out of that Logos word, even though there's going to be a lot of it, you're not going to recall because, you know, there's a lot of genealogies and there's a lot of long names and there's a lot of things that uh, that are different to us culturally and stuff like that. So not all of it's going to like stick, but it goes into your spirit. And there are times when the Holy Spirit can pull it out. Your mind not be, might not recall it, but the Holy Spirit can pull it out of your spirit, uh, bring it up to your mind and uh, and speak it to you. Woo! Hallelujah. So be aware of that. You need to familiarize yourself with the Logos word of God because it's how we govern our life. It's what we live by. If the word says this is right, it's right. If the word says that's wrong, then that's wrong. And it's never going to change. Uh, even 10 million years from now, if God says that's wrong, 10 million years from now, it will still be wrong. It is the final authority that governs all things. We will be judged by the Logos word of God. Hallelujah. Now, let us go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. We're talking today about sword practice. Are you ready to pull out your sword today? Maybe you've got a sword around your house somewhere. Be careful. Don't cut yourself or hurt yourself or get too excited when you start swinging something around. And we don't want to have any incidents like Peter who cut somebody's ear off. Okay. But we want to talk today about sword practice. And you'll understand why in just a moment. Now, we're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. And we want to look uh, at the temptation of Jesus. This is when Satan is being an aggressor and he is attacking Jesus with an all-out assault upon the Lord with tremendous temptation being placed before him. Verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So the temptations were going on throughout the 40 days, but the big mega attack came at the end when the Lord was completely famished and exhausted in body, but nevertheless, he's filled with the spirit at that fasting. Whoo, it'll make you so sharp in the spirit. You will feel weak physically, but you get so sharp in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. We need to always keep fasting incorporated into our lives along with prayer. Now, verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. That doesn't say he didn't drink anything. He was drinking water. I fully believe that. If you're fasting, please drink lots of water. Now, it says, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. 40 days was his max. Uh, for me, it's not quite 40 days. I don't have uh, that extra... Uh, uh, amount to burn off. Everybody's different. I, I've seen the Lord in, in visions before. He's bigger than me. He's taller than me. He has a, a heavier frame than me. And so I'm, I'm a thinner type guy. So I, I uh, on water only, I, I don't think I can go 40 days. I've tried to go pretty far on water before. I could never make 40 days. I don't have any, uh, you know, get to a certain amount. I don't have anything left to burn. <laughs> and if I don't come off that fast, I could do damage to my to myself. So at 40 days is when the Lord hit his max out point. And that's when uh, you have to be very, very careful because if there's no more fat to burn, there's nothing... Uh, left in your body for the scavenging device of your body to burn up, then it'll, it'll start to switch over. It'll start to go after muscle. 
and, and start to, uh, your body will start to consume its own self. And that's, you won't last very long if you go beyond that point. So, uh, with fasting and prayer, uh, you always want to educate yourself about these things, particularly if you're going off in the deeper waters and you want to do an extended fast. Anything over 10 days, I call an extended fast. You need to get some knowledge so that you don't hurt yourself and you uh, take good care of your body. The devil would love for you to damage your body and mess your body up uh, by lack of knowledge and uh, pushing too hard. So be very, very careful because we all are different. Just because the Lord went 40 days doesn't mean you can go 40 days. Uh, honestly, uh, some people can probably go beyond 40 days, and I've heard uh, testimony after testimony of those who have been able to do that. But you would have to understand, usually people like that have a, um, a, uh, a, a heavier frame. They've got more fuel to burn. So always use uh, wisdom in these types of things so that the enemy doesn't come in and... Uh, attack you even through something good that you would try to do all right and afterward when he uh when they had ended his days of fasting he was hungry Whew! glory to god food tastes so good after a good fast now verse three and the devil said to him if now notice if he's in uh trying you to insinuate and inject doubt into the heart of the lord and he'll try to put doubt over on you and i too so, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Now, he's pulling from the Logos, right? What is the Logos? It's everything in this book. Now, of course, that time he, he didn't have the new covenant that's, that's going to be established. But he's pulling from what's in what we would call the old covenant because it's all the holy inspired word of God. It's the Logos. So, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, in the Greek, word, W-O-R-D, is either going to be Logos, or it could be the other word, which we need to switch to and talk about, because now this is what this one is. It could be the word Rhema, okay? So, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema, R-H-E-M-A, is how it's spelt in English. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema of God. Okay, so you have the Logos word of God, which is the general counsel, the, the entire counsel of the word of God, which we call the Bible, and you also have the rhema. Uh, the rhema is drawn out of the Logos. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. That's what it literally says in the Greek. By every rhema of God. Pastor Stephen, what is the difference between a Logos word and a rhema word of God? I'm so glad you asked because that's what we are discussing today. And I believe, now listen to me. I believe that you are going to receive the rhema word of God. So let me help you to recognize it when, it's when it comes because it is coming. Praise God. A rhema word is not a logos word. The logos word is the whole Bible, okay? But the rhema word is a specific word that, address, that addresses a specific need. Sometimes it's described as a quickened word. In other words, it's like it's alive. It's, it, it's powerful, okay? It's, it's a new word that comes right now. It's fresh. 
It's powerful. It might even seem to leap off the page. Woo! But it comes straight from God. Now, I want you to notice this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Okay, so uh, three very severe temptations are going to be hurled at Jesus by the devil. What does Jesus do uh, in order to do a counterattack against the enemy? He uses the rhema word three times against the devil. Now watch. He doesn't use logos to defeat the devil. He, so look at this. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. That's the attack. What is the counterattack? Did Jesus do a counterattack by sitting down to him and said, Hold on, Mr. Devil. I'm going to read to you uh, the first 20 Psalms, and I want to show to you that that's not God's will. Is that what Jesus did? No, did, did Jesus go back and say, hold on, Mr. Devil, I got a, I got a copy over here. I got the whole scroll of Deuteronomy, and Mr. Devil, I, I want you to sit down over there in the corner in a chair, and I'm going to read you the entire book of Deuteronomy, and I'm just going to show you that what you just told me is not right. No, 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 he didn't, he didn't hit the devil back with the Logos word. He hit him back, and he pierced through with the rhema word. It's the quickened word. It's the word for the moment. It's the word that's needed for that specific situation, whether it's a temptation, a trial, a difficulty, something that, that you seem like you don't have an answer for. God gives you the rhema word, and it leaps up within your spirit by the Holy Spirit, or it leaps off the page of your Bible, or you're just reading along, and you hit this verse, and you're just like, whoa, that is loaded with life. Yes, it's the quickened word. It's alive. I, literally, it is a lie. It's a word spoken from the Lord right then at that moment. Woo! Oh, Pastor Stephen, hold on. That was 2,000 years ago. Oh, no, no, no. It just got spoken to you, quickened by the Holy Spirit. It's alive. It, it's not as if it got spoken just then. It did get spoken just then to you by the Holy Spirit. So it's not Logos. It's not the whole Bible Jesus is throwing at the devil. No, it's that word. What is the word? Man shall not live by bread alone, okay? But by every rhema, every rhema of God, every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. And look, that's what you and I are supposed to live on. We can't live on uh, the sermon that was preached back in 1964. I know that was a good sermon probably preached back in 1964. And on that day that you heard it, you were greatly inspired, ran around your room and shot it, hallelujah, 42 times. But look. Look, my friends, that was over 50 years ago. We can't live on that. We have to live on the rhema word. Mm, praise God. You need to search the scriptures for the rhema word. Woo, hallelujah. Who would set you on fire? Mm, and, and look, the enemy, he has no defense against the rhema word. It is literally a sword that gouges and pokes him. And it hurts him very, very badly. And if you keep poking him with it, cutting him with it, he will leave. He has no solution for the rhema word. He doesn't have some kind of a different thing he can pull out of his closet or his arsenal that will handle that. He has nothing that can handle the rhema word. And that's why you need to be a recipient of it, because God wants to give it to you. Woo, and you're going to get it. Praise God. 
Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And look, it was. He had it to give. If somebody would uh, play his game, if somebody would hook up and make a covenant, make a deal with him, he's got their soul, but he has the power, the authority to delegate uh, to them the riches and the treasures of his kingdom. Okay, for this has been delivered to me. In other words, Adam gave it to him uh, in a rebellious act against God and all the authority that Adam had to govern the planet. He turned the whole thing over to the devil. And now the devil can uh, endeavor to manipulate people and entice people through uh, the ability to give out perks and benefits if somebody pays homage to him. And I give it to whomever I wish. There are some very, very famous singers that uh, really, if you analyze it, their voices aren't that great. And you think, how in the world are they one of the world's most famous uh, pop singers? Or when there's a million other people that can probably sing better than them. Because something was done at some point where a person kind of like, how can we say, sold out. And the enemy's like, hey, I'll make you famous if you kind of, Come over here and work for me. If you sing my music, if you will take your clothes off and entice uh, the, the way I would like for you to do, and uh, and so he'll make he makes deals absolutely. And and I, I know it's not like really talked about. And it's not like the devil appears before people with a a pitchfork and a red tail and says, "Hey, come over here and sign this, and I'll make your world famous." But in in, in a lesser way, there is still a transaction that takes place. Why? Because it's his world. And he governs it, and he has that ability, just as he said, to give uh, uh, portions of his kingdom uh, to whomever he wishes to do so. But he's going to extract something out of that. He's not just giving to give. No, he's giving because he wants something back. Okay. Now, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, here comes back the sword. Watch this. Here comes the sword. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Okay. And here comes the sword. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And that just cut him Ooh, right into it. Oh, oh. Ooh, hallelujah. My friends, how do you deal with the devil? You deal with the devil with the sword of the spirit and you gouge him with it. You poke it right into him. You ram it right into him, and you stick it with him. Mm -hmm. Ooh, glory to God. The devil's not done yet. That's okay, because the Lord's not done yet either. The Holy Spirit can continue to bring the ramas as much as are needed. Then he brought him to, a, to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, remember, look, there's the ifs again trying to uh, give doubt. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Look at this, the devil's quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. Now he's taking it out of context and twisting it. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said. Whew, here comes the sword. Here it comes again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God, mm -mm. three times, stuck that old dirty devil with the sword of the spirit. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. He had to go back and lick his wounds because he got, he got gouged 
my friends, that was a bad day for the devil. And you could make it a bad day for him too and turn the tables and use the sword of the spirit, the rhema word of God, to stick him. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Look at this in Romans chapter 10. Get your swords ready. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. Now, many of you have heard me mention this verse, read from this verse, quote this verse before, but let's pull out the fullness of its meaning. Let's extract some juice out of this today. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we must hear the word of God. Ah, must we hear the Logos of God? Yes, yes. I mean, it's good to hear the Logos of God, because out, out of the Logos can come forth Rhema. But my friends, when the Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, it actually in the Greek says, and hearing by the Rhema of God. So you don't have time to sit down and listen to... Uh, all of Psalms, from Psalm 1 to 150. Well, we're going to sit here, and we're going to hear the Word of God, and we're going to receive faith. Well, yes, you might not have seven hours to do that, though. But the Bible says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The rhema of God. That quickened word. It's a specific word. Hallelujah. It's, it's not 300 pages. It's just, boom, real short word. might even just be one verse, and many times it is. And that's what just can cause, literally, when it's alive and you get that word, your faith will just explode. And you're like, praise God, I've just received a rhema. Hallelujah. I have received a rhema word. My faith has been just pumped back up, and I believe God. And look, this is not uh, like, this is not kind of like, how can I say, getting ourselves all zealous and emotionally worked up. No, this is not something intellectually or mental. This is of the Spirit. And and your faith in here, when you receive that rhema word, it just gives you such strength. Praise God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the rhema word. And so that's why you must go fishing for your rhema word. You know, um, we, we see... Uh, symbolism in the old covenant uh relating to this and the fact that david went out against goliath with five stones no he didn't get a wheelbarrow and load the wheelbarrow full of three thousand stones well you know just in case i miss i'm going to have a huge backup arsenal of stones here i'll just keep slinging them all day long eventually i'll hit him no he only had five stones one for goliath and goliath the scripture tells us uh had four Big, ugly brothers, okay? So David's thinking, okay, you know, and I know some of this stuff can spread over to the family. And I, I don't know if my brothers have got my back, but maybe his have got his. And so just in case the brothers get a little bit worked up, because I'm going to take their big brother down, then I'm going to have a backup plan. So he had one, he had one stone for Goliath, and uh, it was hurled with supernatural power. I mean, that when David slung that stone, that thing came out like a rifle shot and hit that big, ugly giant right here. The only place that was unguarded and unprotected. And it actually says that it sunk into his forehead. I mean, it was like he got shot with a bullet from a rifle. And just to make sure that, that it's over with, David goes over, takes the giant's own sword and cuts 
Goliath's head off. Well, the brothers all ran, so he didn't have to use the other four stones, but the other brothers also got dealt with eventually. But my friends, you don't need 3,000 verses. Now, it's good to know 3,000 verses and be familiar with the Logos so that you can know the mind of God and understand uh, the principles of God and understand the nature of God. But when it comes down to uh, the explosion of faith that's needed and the victory that needs to be won, you're going to get that by one word, maybe one scripture, could be just uh, a very short, powerful statement, but it hits you, and you're like, boom, I've got it, Woo! and you're off, and you're running into victory. Let us go over now to Ephesians chapter 6, and this is beautiful, Ephesians chapter 6 today, Lord, we thank you, get your sword ready, Woo! thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's talk about spiritual armor. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Again, verse 17. Take the sword of the Spirit. Ooh, I'm getting happy in the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, when it says that it's the Word of God, is it saying that it's the Logos of God? Should we take the whole Bible? Should we try to hit the devil over the head with the whole Bible? And that's our, our means of uh, offense, even perhaps our means of attack? No, it actually is the word rhema. Okay, so take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. This is your lethal spiritual weapon. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus, today. I'm telling you what, God's got some armory. He has got some weapons that will just destroy the forces of hell. They're, they're terrified of the weapons that God has made available for his saints when we use them. Ooh, I'm going to pull out my sword. And I want to talk a little bit today and even demonstrate a little bit of how the ancient Roman soldiers conducted their sword practice. Be careful. This thing is sharp. Hallelujah. I don't want to cut anybody today, particularly myself. Well, actually, it's just plastic, okay? But we're going we're gonna to pretend this is some cold steel. Woo! God, better be careful. Pastor Stephen, watch out. We don't want to have any blood and get things messy today on the program. Now, the Roman army, uh, which was very, very advanced in warfare, had tremendous commitments to practice every single day. Every Roman soldier uh, practiced every day, uh, and they particularly practiced uh, with their swords twice a day. They would practice every morning, every afternoon, every day. Now look, you do that for a year, three years, five years, practicing every day, twice a day with your sword, that thing's going to become like an extension of your hand, and you're going to become very, very fluent and fluid with your sword. Well, they practice with two devices, their sword and their buckler. Now, a buckler was a device that would be like what we would call a small shield. It was about uh, this big in size, about 15 inches. It was round. Just think like Captain America's shield 
but a whole lot smaller, okay? And what the buckler did is it protected your free hand, and it, you could hold on to it on the inside of it with a leather strap, and then you would have this shield, very small, protecting your hand, and you could use it to block and to parry and things like that. If, if, if needed, you could even use it uh, somewhat offensively to even smash it against your opponent, but you're going to let your sword do mainly all the offensive work. This thing is just to block and to uh, uh, try to free up uh, space that you can use your sword with. And so the, um, the buckler that the soldiers used in practice was twice as heavy as the one that they actually fought with. And so they would have this buckler uh, that's wrapped with willow reeds, and it's made very, very thick and very, very heavy. And they're training every morning and every afternoon with that thing, and it, and it builds up their arm muscles and helps with their coordination and things like that. They become very, very coordinated. Uh, but when they actually did fight, they had a much lighter buckler that was made of metal, and that's what they're going to use during times of real battle. But because they're now training, building up their muscular endurance, building up their strength, they're going to use heavier objects in their training. Same thing with the sword. The sword that the Roman soldiers would use uh, was actually made of heavy wood, and it was two times heavier, twice as heavy, as the real sword that would be the metal steel sword that they actually fought with in battle. So they wanted to practice with something that was very, very heavy. And so they had a very, very heavy buckler. They had a very, very heavy sword. And when, when they went into real battle with their real steel weapons, they're fast. They're, they're, you know, it seems now so easy to, to move with this thing because they've trained in much tougher conditions. When they would practice each day with their sword and with their buckler, they would practice against a, a uh, mock enemy, which was a pole, a wooden pole, that was six feet tall, and it was anchored down into the dirt and raised above the dirt six feet, and that would be their enemy, and they would practice on that enemy every morning and every evening. They would practice with their striking and then with their retreating. And what they would do, the, the Roman soldiers, is they would look uh, for their primary area of attack would be their opponent's face. So when they would advance towards you, that sword usually is going to be pointed directly at your face or at your neck. Look, they're going for the kill. There are a few times, depending on the uh, type of armory that you might be wearing as an enemy, where they could also aim for the extremity areas of your legs, uh, but sometimes the middle areas, they know that's too covered. They're not going to go for that. So either the legs, but usually they're going to be going right for your face. And that is the way they made their direct attacks. So they would practice. Uh, during their practice, uh, they're endeavoring to uh, expose weak areas against the enemy. They want to uh, take advantage of that. Uh, they're developing their skills so that when they do fight for real, uh, that they're highly trained and very, very efficient. And I want to read to you a quote uh, from a historian who wrote this in the year of 380 A.D. His name was Flavius Renatus, and this man was a historical expert on the accomplishments of the Roman army. Now, Although he wrote this in the year of 380 A.D., much of what he wrote about would have applied to 
the period of the Apostle Paul because the training, the methods of the Roman soldiers continued along for uh, quite a few many years. And so he was the one that uh, this man, uh, Flavius Renatus, who carried that knowledge, wrote it down so that we can have uh, written testimony about actually how these Roman soldiers would attack their enemy. And, of course, I want to thank Apostle Rick Renner for his teachings uh, that bring this forth. I want to read it to you. This is Flavius Renatus, and this is what he said about the Roman soldiers. They, the military recruits, were likewise taught not to cut, uh, but to thrust their swords. For the Romans not only made jest of those who fought with the edge of the weapon, but always found them an easy conquest. A stroke with the edges, though made ever so much force, seldom kills, as the vital parts of the body are defended by both the bones and armor. Now look, look, this is very important. This is what Flavius Renatus said. On the contrary, a stab, although it penetrates but two inches, is generally fatal. Now, what he's basically saying is that you can have the finest sword made of the finest Roman steel with the sharpest blade edge, and you can go into battle, and you can take that sword, but if you swing at your opponent and you try to chop at your opponent, uh, it's not going to be very effective. And the Romans laughed at the people who actually used uh, swords like this because they knew it's stupid, because... Uh, Armory, whether it's thick leather armor or metal armor, is going to deflect a lot of the chopping. Uh, even the thickness of a person's bone is going to is going to also give protection. The skeletal frame. So the Roman soldiers were not they were not trained to just slash and you know try to like blunt force trauma. No, they're up to one thing. They want to stab you because, as this man said, even if they only stab two inches. It's enough, proven over and over again, to be fatal. You know, look how wide this sword is. You know, it's about an inch and a half wide. Well, that thing comes in to somebody's stomach or somebody's leg, even if it only goes in two inches into somebody's face. Well, two inches is enough to cause enough problems. That person's going to either bleed to death or we've, we've punctured something or poked something that renders them uh completely helpless. So that's what it's all about. Now, this is very, very important, what has been recorded in light of how God's Word works. What I mean by this is that in context, concerning the background of what this man said, Flavius Renatus, that the way the Roman soldiers fought, even during the days of Paul, now he's talking about take the sword of the Spirit, okay? Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Okay, take it. And don't swing like this with these big, broad swoops and try to do damage. Look, that's the Logos word. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read to the devil, and I'm going to read the whole book of Genesis to him to prove that he's wrong. No, 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 that's not going to back the devil down. Not only that, that probably gets you wore out and tired. So it's not these big sweeping strokes where you're coming in with these big, broad movements. No, don't, don't, don't do that. 
Don't, don't hit him with the Logos word of God. Don't try to throw the whole Bible at him. Don't hit him just like these big sweeping movements. Don't, don't, don't do that. Come in and gouge him and poke him really, really deep. That's what this is talking about. Because even if you only poke him two inches, you have mortally wounded him. And Jesus hit him three times, gouged him with the sword of the spirit. And the devil's hurting. But he comes back with number two temptation, and Jesus gouges him again. Woo! You're going to do the same thing today and this week. He hits him again with another rain of word, and the devil comes back with another phenomenal temptation, and Jesus just takes that sword of the Spirit and goes, mm, and rams it right into him and hits him with another rain of word. I tell you what, the devil's just like, I, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> he left. He left. He's like, I've never dealt with anything like this before. And even today, he has no uh, means of dealing with the rhema of God. It is what the Holy Spirit speaks and says to you at that moment that just punctures him. And we're not throwing the whole Bible at him. No, maybe just one verse. Boom, and jab it right into him. Woo, glory to God. You got your swords out today? Ooh, hallelujah. We're going to do some damage to the enemy this week. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Feels good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, Pastor Stephen, calm down before you knock something over. Praise God. So, my friends, the context of what Paul is talking about here is just gouge the devil. Hit him with it. No, you don't have to read 10 chapters to him. No, just hit him with that word. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will bring the rhema to you. He will bring the rhema to you. Look, that's why you need to be in the Logos. The more time you spend just reading through the Logos Word of God. Look, it's all good. Just read wherever you want. You don't have to have a certain Bible reading program. If you want to do that, that's good. But if you just think, oh, you don't want to read over here today, that's fine. If you think, you know, I just feel like going towards the back of the book today. It's, look, it's all good. It's all the Logos Word. But the main thing is just start reading. Get into it. And as you're going through it, you might think, okay, uh, th th this is good, but I'm not really getting anything. Let me go over here. And you might read maybe 10 minutes there. Okay, this is good. This is good. Wait, wait, I think I'm on to something. And maybe you just keep reading, and then boom, you hit a verse that just, I mean, it's its just like God stood there and spoke that to you. Just like, Lord, that is so alive. Like, wow, that is a rhema. Oh, hallelujah. It's the quickened word. Well, how did it get so alive? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit quickening it to you making it alive to you. What am I supposed to do with it? Oh, you, you use it like a sword. See, the devil says, the devil says, um, you're not going to get healed. You're, you're going to die, you know? And so you just get into the word and you know what the Logos says, you know, by his stripes, you were healed. And, you know, and uh, Isaiah 53 and all of these other scriptures that speak of the healing that is in the atonement. And, and you, you already know all the Logos, but you know, you just keep, you, you just get back into the Logos and you're like, Lord, uh, you help me deal with this attack. And you get into the word, and then you're just kind of going through, and you got, you're like, whoa, look at that. And just, boom, a, a, a rhema comes to you. Ah, you're like, oh, Lord, and I, I know, I know I'm going to live. I've received a fresh rhema from you. Look, you can't live on yesterday's bread. I'm not saying that you, you literally need a rhema every day, but I, I, I do know that something's not right if you haven't had one in a year. Or, you know, three months or something like that. So you need to get these rhemas of God. Why? That's where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by what? The rhema. The rhema of God. That living word. That specific word that applies to your specific situation. 
And God can give it to you uh, uh, when you spend time in the Bible, when you spend time in the Logos. God can give it to you. Uh, also, perhaps, uh, just as you're relaxing, maybe you're having a little prayer time. I've had God give me rhema words when I've even been watching TV before, not even really trying to be spiritual or do something spiritual, but just sitting there relaxing, and a rhema word just floats up, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, got to turn the TV off. It's so good. I'm like, ooh, Lord, ooh, hallelujah. I, I can use that. Lord, I can run on that for three days. Lord, that rhema word is so rich. I I, I can run on that for a week. Woo, hallelujah. Uh, what you'll find also is that maybe after a certain period of time, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, that rhema that did have so much life, uh, it's not doing anything for you anymore. Uh, why? Because now it's reverted back to the Logos. See, it's still the Logos. It's still the Word of God. What does that mean? It means you need to go out there and get you another rhema. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, Lord. Oh, speak to me. See, here's the whole thing about God. God, uh, God speaks. God talks. This is what's so awesome about the God that we serve. He's alive. And the Lord is still speaking the rhema word. He's still speaking the rhema word by the Holy Spirit. And that is how you are supposed to live. Man shall not live by bread alone. This is not about just surviving physically. Well, I've had three meals today. I feel I feel okay. I'm stumbling through life, but at least I'm alive. No, no. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. You're supposed to live by the rhema word. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. My friends, it's time for you to get your rhema word, and you take it and you use it like a sword. You take that word and you say, this is what God said. God said, I shall be blessed. Hallelujah. Ooh, that felt good. Come on, do something today with me. Hallelujah. Speak a rhema word. God said, I shall prosper. I'm not going to be broke, live on the street. I'm going to prosper. Hallelujah. God told me that. Ooh, it's a rhema word. It's a rhema word. Maybe after four days, that word starts to get a little bit dull. Get you another one. Praise God. Keep your sword sharp. Mm-mm-mm. Look, Paul talked about the sword of the Spirit. It's not the Logos word. You cannot back the devil down by saying Noah's Ark landed on the mountains of Ararat. That does not back him down. I know, I know that's in the Bible. You cannot back the devil down by saying the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and God parted it and they passed through on dry land. That's that's is in the Bible. That is the Logos. That's not going to back him down. But you get the you get the Rhema. You get the Rhema. And the devil says this to you, and you come back and you say, Oh, well, this is what God says, and you stick it with him. Praise God. You stick it with him. And if he continues to bug him, you just stick him with that word, stick him with that he comes if he comes with another angle of attack, the Holy Spirit, he'd give you another Rhema. And you just stick him with that one. Eventually, he's like, I, I can't handle this. I, I'm bleeding all over the place. I, I'm, I don't know if the devil bleeds, but I'm saying it does hurt the devil. Absolutely. It, it is pain. And demons, they, they, it hurts them. The, the sword of the spirit, it does cut. Absolutely. Ooh, sharper than any Roman sword. Mm -mm. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they get their rhema word today. Oh, God, floated up in their spirit from the ocean of the Logos word. Oh, God, extract for them a rhema word and let it come up by your spirit and be brought into their mind. They can recognize it, draw upon it, and chew on it, and take it out 
as a sword. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. Father, give them their rhema word today. Give them their daily bread. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for this mighty, mighty weapon. We thank you, Lord, you have not left us defenseless. We thank you for these mighty weapons. Glory to God. Father, we praise you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take communion today and celebrate the fact that we have the sword of the Spirit at our uh, use, at our disposal. My Lord, are we ever going to use it? Mm-mm. Woo! Glory to God. Mm-mm. I tell you what, this is this is how you overcome temptation. You use the, the rhema word of God. Grab yourself some unleavened bread and some grape juice. As a church family, we are gathering together around the world to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive his word, to enjoy his presence, and to take communion together. Grab your bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. Mm-mm. Father, we thank you that as we partake of this unleavened bread, we thank you that we are in the body. Father, let love and mercy be in our hearts. Hallelujah. Your righteousness, your holiness, your peace, saturate us as we receive this bread today. We thank you for victory over the enemy, and we fight with your word, with the sword of the Spirit, standing in faith, knowing that even though there can be trials, difficulties, knowing that we're going to come through and that you're going to share your word with us. It carries us through. We thank you, Father God. I just thank you, Father, even though there are some that are watching that have been in fierce trials and uh, storms at sea. We thank you they're pulling into the safe harbor, that tests are being concluded, and I, I see passing grades. I, I'm not just talking about Bs. I'm seeing A pluses. Praise God. Hallelujah, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise. We, there's a healing anointing flowing right now. There's some of you that are watching, you have been sick for a long time. Some of you have some heavy. Uh, there's, uh, there's some people that are watching, haven't watched me very much. Uh, maybe you're new to uh, my ministry, new to the Word of God, and you've been sick for a long time with some heavy stuff, and it is, it is uh, unless something changes, your life will be shortened. You'll leave the planet long before having lived your life out. There is a healing anointing right now. Receive. Because the enemy has said, you're going to die. But the Lord says, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. The Lord says, I'm able to save you. I'm able to forgive your sins. I'm able to wash you clean. I'm able to restore you. And I'm, I'm able to heal your body. And God wants to heal right now. If that's you, as you receive this, by faith, receive healing. Now, Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Father, those that need healing, I thank you that your healing anointing is flowing right now. It feels like warm oil, heat coming over your people right now, healing them. Just receive by faith. Father, we thank you for your healing anointing being manifested. And every symptom, every trace of that vile disease or sickness leaving now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise.
Please take your grape juice. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, the removal of guilt and shame, so that we can look to you eye to eye, uh, uh, knowing that we are recipients of your grace and mercy. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for the mighty sword of the Spirit. Oh God, we, we just ask that rhema words flow unhindered. Rhema words flow to us, and, and let us use them effectively. Thank you, Father God, that you will always give us a word in every situation of trial and difficulty. Oh God, we praise you. Anytime there's a need, we thank you for a rhema word arising to meet that need. Oh God, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's receive together as a church family the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory. Glory to God. Mm -mm. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Clear thinking. I speak clarity of thinking over you. If there's anybody you feel like you've been in a haze or fog, that breaks now in the name of Jesus. And may the glory of God, the sunshine of God, break through and shine upon you today. I command every cloud of darkness to be dispelled in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for peace and calmness. Glory. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. The gifts of the Spirit are flowing and being released right now. If you need activation in the gifts of the Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that would like to receive the gift of prophecy. May it be given to them now. In the name of Jesus, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, receive. Discerning of spirits, receive. The power gifts, special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, receive. In the name of Jesus, somebody is being healed of a heart condition right now. It takes a miracle to do it. God's giving you a miracle right now. You, 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 re you, see, you receive this, and you can sense the presence of the Lord. Get up. Begin to do what you couldn't do before. Go out for a walk. God is opening up uh, that which has been closed down before. Those areas that would appear to be bluish and not having proper blood flow. You are being healed now by the power of God. He's healing your heart. Oh God, we give you praise. Glory to God. Feelings coming back into your toes right now, right as I'm saying this. Because of the circulation and the blood flowing like it should. Oh God, we give you praise. You just got a, a a rush of blood into your toes, and you're having feeling in your toes for the first time in a long time. Oh God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. The gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Hallelujah. Father, let your gifts flow freely to your people, freely to your people. May all your people prophesy. Oh God, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Lift up your hands. Oh God, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. Praise your Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for words of uh, uh, rhema words flowing up right now. 
right now. Oh God, we thank you for guidance and direction, sound wisdom and sound counsel. Oh God, we praise you. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God's going to bring great calmness and peace into your life through the rhema word. Hallelujah. Father, we just praise you. I still feel the anointing. Still feel the anointing. Praise God. Oh, God, we just thank you for your healing anointing that's flowing right now. Touch those who need healing, oh, God. Touch those who need healing. Those who need a touch in their ears. Something's wrong with your hearing. Receive. Just command those ears to open in the name of the Lord Jesus. And somebody's ear has just opened. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was easy. Lord, we thank you. Please email me because as I'm speaking, uh, the only way I can know uh, through feedback is uh, for you to email my ministry. Please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org and let me know what the Lord has done for you because I know he's moving. He's moving right now. He's very sweet spirit. Very sweet spirit. Hallelujah. So, Father, bless your people. Give them the desires of their heart. May they always cherish you and pursue you all the days of their life. May that be their greatest passion is to pursue you and to know you. Father, we thank you. Bless your people. We thank you for what you've shared today. We thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, thank you for joining me today on today's program. I'll see you back next Sunday, back in the word of God. Till then, you be richly blessed. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.